Hey everyone, I want to welcome you. Uh, hanging out this morning, trying to talk about uh, what does it look like to seek Jesus in the midst of chaos of everyday life. Yeah. Jesus, where are you? We've sort of done our tour through uh, Genesis, yeah. started at creation, kind of slowly making our way. Last week you made the case for why we should stick it out totally. and keep plugging. Keep going through the Old uh, so yeah. we spent a little time in Exodus. I uh, got to know Moses a little bit. Yeah. Um, now we're... Moses has left Pharaoh's house. Yeah. He's gone out in the desert and we're sort of sort of at this place where he's maybe about to pivot. Sure. Yeah. Um, so maybe dive in there. Totally. A yeah. Bit. Yeah. So I wanted to hone in a little bit on the fairly famous burning bush yep. scene a little bit. Uh, there's interaction there. I think that's super insightful. And then yep. uh, what I wanted to do is kind of give like a big overview of kind of what happens from like a 30,000 foot view from there okay um and then kind of drill down on there's these key wilderness narratives yeah. that happen throughout the story of, of israel yeah that i think really speak to a lot of what we're going through okay in our moments so that's kind of the the hope so to speak for this yeah. but um maybe to start just the the burning bush um scene you know again fairly famous story where moses he's been in the wilderness um on his own uh, for the book acts tells us for a period of about 40 years okay. up until this point um, and I'm just actually going to read just the first couple lines of Exodus 3. Okay. Um, says this, Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Now, kind of a quick you know, Bible trivia fact, this is uh, actually the same Horeb and Sinai yeah. end up actually being the same, same place. place. Yeah. yeah, so later on in the book of Exodus, Israel ends up at the base of Mount Sinai, uh, Exodus chapter 19 for okay. a period of a calendar year, actually. Okay. Um, so Moses is actually at yeah. Mount Sinai. And so right if you're, now. if you're re if you're sort of Jewish or you know that history, you know that geography, yeah. you'd be like, Oh, okay. This is important. This is important, right? Exactly. Yeah. This is a key, uh, important biblical place. Yeah. Um, it's kind of actually interesting. So Moses is going to have an encounter with Yahweh at Mount Sinai is I think how you okay. pronounce it in Hebrew. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. Uh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. But it's also a Sinai bush that yeah. Moses is going to have this encounter with God. Mm. So there's this wordplay that's happening here. Got he's it. at Mount Sinai and there's a Sinai bush okay. that he's going to have this encounter with God at. Huh. The angel of the Lord, verse two, appeared to him in a flame of the fire out of the midst of the Sinai bush. He looked up and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And then verse three and four are very key here. And when Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. So the idea being, you know, the bush is on fire, but it's not like disintegrating, like how we might think yeah. of fire. And then verse four, when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, then God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Mo Moses. And then they begin to have this dialogue, which mm. we'll get into. And very quickly, we just wanted to point out is that Here's Moses, and it's notice when God begins to speak to him. Mm. The text says, when Moses had turned aside, when the Lord saw that Moses had turned aside, then God called out mm. uh, to him. And, you know, I would assume at this point in Moses' life, he'd been out in this sort of area perhaps dozens of times, if yeah. not more, doing this yeah. kind of on a routine, you know, basis. Yeah. And is he, what is he doing here? He's, he's keeping flocks, so he's operating as a shepherd. As a shepherd, yeah. So maybe he's like trying to find that little patch of green in the exactly. desert. Yeah. Trying to, you know, give some, you know, yeah. semblance of security or comfort or okay. guidance to his sheep or whatever yeah. kind of flock he's, you know, navigating with. Okay. So he's doing like his everyday yeah. sort of thing, right? Yeah. That's kind of the picture we get. 
But it's at this moment where Moses slows down, mm. stops, and pays attention. Got it. Then God speaks to him. Wow. And I just kind of think of that in our own lives right now. I think just maybe just speaking for myself yeah. where it's so easy in the midst of all of this. You know, we used to always talk about busyness, busyness, yeah, business, yeah. busyness. Now yeah. it feels like busyness plus chaos. Yeah. Where it's just all At least the, when you have little kids. Like little kids, yeah. I think yeah we were just talking about this, totally, right? Exactly. Like COVID-19 with little kids is a totally different thing. Then if you don't have kids in your house. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's like chaos versus boredom. Totally. Yeah. There's yeah. these two different Yeah, like extremes. totally different realities. Realities, yeah. yeah. But I think in both realities, there whether it's you're kind of more on totally. I have all this extra time on my hands, or you can kind of just get lost into whatever the distractions, distractions the, yeah, and yeah. rhythms. Totally. Or the chaos and busyness yeah. of trying to, you know, corral two kids totally. and just survive the day. Yeah. You either watch ten hours of Netflix because you have lots of energy, or you watch Two hours of Netflix, drooling and exhausted, yeah. sitting on the couch, just totally done <laughs> yeah, with the totally. day. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Totally. In both of those scenarios, there, I think, is this invitation of what does it look like to slow down or to maybe even just use the word to pause Yeah. and to just pay attention and say, you know, and look like, God, what are you doing yeah. in this moment? You know, what are you doing at 1130 in the morning or at 330 hmm. in the afternoon? Right now, as I'm either sitting at my home or going for a walk or whatever the case may be. And I think there's moments that it's not just on, you know, Sunday morning or just when you're maybe listening to a worship song. He's working. He's working. Like this is an everyday thing, right? I think of the, we've talked about before on on Sundays and various teachings, the practicing the presence of God, Mm -hmm. the brother Lawrence, he was a dishwasher, right? And it's in those everyday moments of washing dishes, he's experiencing and practicing God's presence. I think there's something like that happening here in this narrative. And then maybe just, you know, before we get into more detail on the actual interaction, just to say wherever you're at, even as you're listening to this, or even as you're, whatever you're going to do after you listen to Mm. this, to maybe just, you know, pause or literally press pause right now and just kind of have that moment of God, what are you wanting to say? You know, what are you doing? Or even like Jesus, where are you? God, are you here? Exactly. Yeah. And just being honest about that. Asking those questions. I have a total random, like nerdy question. Go for it. Yeah. So I have somewhere in the back of my brain, and I haven't looked at it, and maybe I can for next week. Sure. But I'm pretty sure that the word for bush is the same word as the word for tree in Genesis 1. Is that true? It, I think you're right. And the only reason... We're high, high speculation at the moment. I don't yeah, have my Hebrew totally. I don't at know the moment, and I don't have my phone. <laughs> so, to like look it up? Oh, I might be able to look it up. I, I didn't even think, think about that. I can try and look it up. <laughs> well, I know there's, there's the connection... Um, and this is most of you guys know me enough that I love the Bible projects. Yeah. So one of the recent podcast series, they did like eight episodes on the theme of trees in the Bible. Yeah. So just very like, are you opening Logos right yeah, now? So there's the sign there. The, yeah. Um, but they made that connection though, between the tree and the garden. And then here's Moses where it says Bush in yeah. our English Bibles. Um, but there's this eights. There's, I think that's it. Eights, there's this yeah. there's this connection though yeah. of interactions with God that are happening yeah. around this idea of, of a tree. Yeah. And to to trace what seems like a very insignificant yeah. sort of like how could that ever be a, a meta theme in scripture yeah. when you really double down on this idea of trees and plant yeah. life, especially if you want to broaden it a yeah. bit and seeing like mo and when you overlay it with trees on high places, mm-hmm. so on mountains in particular. Yeah. 
you have yeah then you get to revelation, revelation. there's a tree for the healing of the nations, the nations. anyway this totally. is totally random sorry everyone. no 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 yeah uh I'll, we'll get back to you and like proof text that totally, so yeah. don't go to the bank with it but i'm pretty sure it's true it's they're anyway. definitely related for sure yeah. um <laughs> but no i think that's those are great you know i love Following those rabbit holes, yeah. I think actually is I think really important to make those connections. Yeah. Well, especially because we were just talking about Genesis. Totally. Yeah. Right. And like these these lines that go through. Yeah. Totally. Oh yeah. Yeah. So like in one, right, the tree becomes a means of disobedience. Here, the tree, the bush, becomes a means of God reconnecting with His people oh, in a totally. profound way, profound way, and exactly. rescuing them, and then bringing them out of slavery into relationship with Him. Right. Exactly. Like, if if the tree thing works, right. Maybe speculative. <laughs> totally, like, yeah. It's actually a profound and beautiful reversal. Exactly. That's happening from what you're referring to, Genesis 3, yeah. to here we're in Exodus 3. Yeah. And to see here's God beginning this new work in the life of Moses, which will then translate into the rest of yeah. the Hebrew people for sure. Yeah. Um, All right. Back to the text. No, no, totally. Yeah. Well, even, yeah, it's good. And I think just, again, the question of, you know, as hard as it is, and I totally resonate with the people that, you know, you have kids, it's chaos. Yeah. It's I thought going into this, like, oh, we're going to have all this extra time. It's yeah. like, that's yeah. the last no, thing. No, no, no. This not is not <laughs> the introvert's paradise. Totally. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Every time I talk to you, I feel like sometime, like, during the conversation, Kaysen is crawling on your back <laughs> totally. trying to talk into some sort of microphone yeah, totally. or, yeah. Totally. And I love it. But yeah. there's, yeah. yeah. But anyway, it's just life. even, it is life. But just even asking that question for yourself and trying to make, be intentional about that, to slow down and pause and to pay attention totally. to what God is doing, even as Kaysen is crawling all over me, mm-hmm. you know, totally. God wants to speak into that yeah. moment for sure. Um, but what's interesting as this interaction goes on between Moses and God, as God begins to now speak, Moses has this, and it won't be the last time either. Moses has these back and forth moments with God, as far as these verbal kind of interactions, because what God's going to do is basically going to say, to Moses, as the narrative goes on, it's actually really interesting. God tells Moses, I've seen the affliction. I've seen and heard the prayers of, of Israel. I've seen the horror they're going through. And you're like, okay, God's going to do something about it. Yeah. And then God comes and says, but I'm going to send you, Moses, to basically go take care of it. And it's this, we've talked about it, I think, in the earlier podcast of how God wants to work in the world yeah. is through his people. And God would do a much better job of just, well, I don't know, snapping his fingers and then boom, releasing Israel out of slavery. Mm-hmm. But God is going to work through Moses. Mm. Um, there's this theme that will end up coming up through the Exodus story where God will say to Moses, Yahweh will say to Moses, with my mighty hand, I'm going to redeem you, Israel. With my mighty hand, I'm going to save you. Mm. And what ends up happening throughout the narrative is Moses is going to reach out his hand on several occasions, whether it's he's striking the staff in the water of the Nile, yeah, yeah, yeah. raising his hand to part the Red Sea. And you get this window or this picture of, well, I thought it was Yahweh's hand that was going to save mm. Israel, but it ends up being Moses' hand that becomes mm. this kind of extension, so to speak, of, of God Yahweh's working hand. through Moses, exactly. Wow. And it's just this biblical paradigm, this biblical pattern of this is how God wants to work in the world. That's powerful. Is through his, his people. And Moses becomes this, you know, one of the first characters, Abraham's, I think, probably the first, but this main character where God's going to powerfully work through yeah. Moses' is, you know, good good characteristics and his imperfections. Yeah. But before that happens though, Moses has this series of objections mm. of like, I don't want to do this. And there's almost like this, this fighting, I don't know fighting might be too strong yeah. of a word, but it's a pretty profound contrast to his sort of, you know, he sees the guy oppressing the Hebrew and yeah. he just goes up and strikes him. Exactly. Right? He has no hesitancy, overly aggressive, addressing an issue, but maybe not in like the best way. Exactly. Yeah. Which then leads to this fleeing 
And now it's like, whoa, this is a different Moses. This is a different Moses, right? Totally. So and 40 years is like, oh, you, it's done something. It's done something to him. Totally. There yeah. has been this, one, one writer calls it this mellowing that's happened in yeah. Moses where... Maybe just with age. Some with of his age. Testosterone <laughs> it has like gone yeah. down. Yeah, totally. Yeah. But there has been this profound transformation that you could call it humility. I think later on, Yahweh is going to get a little bit kind of ticked with Moses. Yeah. There's a little bit too much reluctance <laughs> on his part. Yeah. Um, but just kind of real briefly, I wanted to go through these different objections because there's something, at least personally, I found okay. rich with these. Um, so the first objection Moses has back to Yahweh is he asked this question, Exodus 3, verse 11, who am I? Hmm. He's like, God, who am I? Like, I'm just the shepherd out uh, here. Who am I to lead yeah. Israel out of, out of Egypt, yeah. or out of slavery? And I love what God says in the next line. He doesn't even answer Moses' question. He hmm. just says, I will be with you. Wow. He doesn't tell Moses... You know, hey, you know, you know, I've called you to this. Yeah. You know, I've equipped you, have you for this. You've like a good voice. Your vocal yeah. cords are awesome. Totally, Just believe right? me. Yeah. He says he answers. You're about six three. Like people are. Yeah, you're this intimidating presence. figure. Yeah. Totally. He he responds with, it's not about who you are, Moses. Yeah. It's about I'll who I am. You. I'm yeah. gonna be with you. God's presence. Mm. Um, and I just think you know, there's so much we could you know it's draw out with that. But all these are gonna be kind of related. The next question though, Moses has a second objection. If the first one was an identity question, who am I? The second question Moses has is back to God, who are you? Mm. And so we ask um, God in Exodus 3.13, who are you? What is your name? And kind of in biblical you know, theology, the name is like reputation, character. There's sure. this you know, whole thing, not just like, what do you write down yeah, on Sam. Your... Yeah, it's yeah. not. It's so much more than it's just the letters. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. There's this whole other thing there. And God's response is the famous, I am who I am, mm. right? And so it's this... I will be who I will be like this, his character, God's character is being expressed in this. It's mm -hmm. everything that you need me to be everything that, you know, I am, I will yep. be that for you. And so Moses is being invited to not only understanding and seeing number one, God's presence, yeah. but also God's character of this is who I am going to be. I'm going to display that. I'm going to show that yeah. to you throughout the, this kind of sequence of events that yeah. we call the Exodus. That's cool. Um, and then the next objection, what if they don't believe me? He says in, in Exodus chapter four, the first couple lines and God's response to that objection is what is in your hand? Mm -hmm. What is what? And I think of it like this, like what has God already given you Moses? Mm -hmm. And it says staff is what's in his hand and God's going to use what's already there in yeah. his hand. And that's going to be, be the beginning at least of how God is going to work through yeah what Moses is going to do. It's kind of interesting to me that you don't just stop at objection one. Like, who am I? I'll be with you. Right. It doesn't just end there. Yeah. Right. Like it does actually get into some provisions. Totally. Exactly. Right. So God will be there and God will actually give you what you need to actually accomplish the task. And he'll be with you. He'll be with you. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So like God saying, sometimes we can like hyper spiritualize. Exactly. Um, like, Oh God will be there. Everything will be okay. And it's like, well, I don't know. Maybe like, what does uh, that even mean? Yeah, yeah. Totally, yeah. yeah like, what does that I look still like? need to, like, do the task. Totally, exactly. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's like God's getting super practical in a sense here. What's in your hand? And there's this element, too, where I think of it of, like, for us in our moment right now, we think about, we've been talking just about, like, church and sure. just all the transitions yeah. and all the what things. What the heck like, is what happening? What are we supposed yeah. to do with all this? And it's yeah. like, well, maybe there's a question of, like, God has provided. Mm -hmm. And how do we faithfully use what God has already yeah. given us to continue on with what he's calling us That's to. Good. Um, so like what's in our, what's in your hand? And you know, can you ask yourself that question? God has given us the resources. Um, I think on a very practical level, oftentimes mm. 
And instead of always looking like what's out there yeah. that you can give me God, but maybe the answer is like, it's right in front of you in a sense. Yeah. And God wants to work through, through some of that. Um, and then the fourth objection, Moses says, please, Lord, I'm not a man of words. And it's mm. this question where Moses and Biblical interpreters take this, you know, variety of ways, whether it's Moses being super humble or Moses just trying to make excuses to kind of yeah. do his own sort of thing. But regardless, it all comes down to Moses has like this low uh, understanding or low um, way of thinking about his own ability in a sense. Mm. And he's like, I'm not a speaker. I'm not, you know, one to do this sort of thing. And God's response is who created you? Who created your mouth is I think mm. the literal language of that. And it's just this reminder of, God is getting back to the equipping and the, the gifting that God has given his people yeah. that that is intentional, that that is something that God has thought through and God has provided not just maybe like the physical resources or the things like that, but emotionally and spiritually, he has equipped us for these different tasks and, and things that he's calling us, yeah. calling us to. Um, and then just awesome. finally this final objection where it's kind of like, God's like, okay, I've given you four chances already here. And Moses is going to say, God, please send someone else. There's like this heavy reluctance here. I think there's a place for humility and reluctance where there's like this, you know, deference to, you know, yeah. seeing ourselves in that sort of yeah. light. There's a place for like, hey, you know, God, I don't think I'm the best at this. Yeah. But ultimately it does have to come to a place of like, not your will, but mine. Exactly. But, you know, not my will, but yours be done. Totally. Like on some level, on there's some a level. submission. And Moses is sort of flirting with the edge of that. He's pushing it, so yeah. to speak. That's maybe putting it generously too. Because yeah. in the text, God actually gets fairly angry yeah. um, with Moses. And there's there's this example here, but it's not going to be the last time either. But there's this lack of trust mm -hmm. um, on the part of Mo on the part of Moses. God does meet Moses where he's at. He's going to say, "I'm going to send your brother Aaron, yeah. and Aaron's going to help speak, for, speak you. for you." Yeah. Exactly. So there is this moment where God does meet us where we're at. But I think Keller, at least where it's, I originally heard it from, Keller says something to the effect of. God will meet us where we're at, but he won't leave us there. Yeah. It's this idea where he's going to meet us where we're at, but he's going to kind of pull us yeah. and encourage us to move forward into yeah. a healthier sort of pattern. Um, but regardless, all of these different things, and I, if you have the notes, you can kind of see in the green kind of what God is trying to communicate to Moses. Yeah. God's presence, his character, his provisions, his gifts, and then God meeting us where we're at, but not leaving us, not leaving us in that spot. Um, and I just think why this really kind of spoke to me was like, I feel like I've had these moments with God where there's been like this back and forth of like, I don't want to go into this season. Yeah. And there's like this tension currently, currently right now, like yeah. COVID-19. There's yeah. so much where it's yeah, just I like, ask Aaron all the time. Like, so what do you think about Sunday or whatever? And he's like, I just want to be together. <laughs> and it's like a little Eeyore-ish, a little like, like I just want to, and I don't say it reflects this profound love. Sure. you have for the body yeah and being together yeah um and i relate to that um sure. but anyway keep going totally no yeah and i just there's like this i see myself not that i'm like leading israel out of slavery or anything yeah. like that but there's this kind of fighting with god a little yeah. bit of like embracing I, the new thing embracing the new thing yeah. like here's the new thing I even had that in in my own personal notes yeah on this there's that line in isaiah behold i'm doing a new thing yeah. do you not perceive it it's like no, I like no, the old thing. I like the old thing, and I'm having a hard time perceiving the new thing right now, God. Let's just be honest, you know? So yeah, just totally. kind of wrestling with some of these things, and I don't know I how that lands that. for people listening to that, but being reminded of God's presence, his character, his provisions, yeah. his His calling upon my life has just been this yeah. um, thing that I'm still in process, live, sure. you know, wrestling through. Yeah. But it's something to just be like an anchor point, yeah. so to speak, with some of that. And maybe just to say something about that, like as people are in that place, I think a lot of people like 
reading this book um, called Transitions, and one of the things he says is every transition begins with an ending. Yeah, totally. And it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, something stopped. Yeah, and like we actually have to deal with the ending mm-hmm. before we can embrace the new beginning. Exactly. Yeah. And sometimes we just want to jump into the new beginning, uh, but then often we don't learn what we needed to learn through the process. In the ending season. Yeah. yeah totally. Um, and obviously, this conversation with Moses is like burning bush which is pretty epic mm-hmm. uh and then it like happens in a conversation um but i think for most of us like this process probably takes a few weeks yeah yeah sometimes a few months a few months some yeah. people years totally where they're sort of wrestling through like who am i mm-hmm. who are you you know and then these different objections yeah to god's invitation totally. and that, like there's space for that totally oh yeah uh, and i think there's maybe even a rush uh in this moment to like figure it all out yeah. And like, I think I would say like, maybe it's not figurable, figure mm-hmm. outable, yeah. like as much <laughs> totally. as we want it to be, Totally. Uh, but that God is with us in the midst of it. Totally. Uh, and these five questions might get addressed over the next bit. Totally. Uh, and sort of being open maybe to and, that and open to this, this dialogue. This dialogue. And I love how you're talking about this. This is not just, I mean, in the Exodus 3 narrative, it is. I'm sure a period of just a few minutes. Yeah. Well, if I had a burning redwood yeah, totally. in front of me, like yeah. I might be open to it too. Totally, exactly. <laughs> totally. Yeah. <laughs> they just, I love that. <laughs> like there's definitely like, there's the difference from Exodus three into our time yeah. right there for sure. I just call it for what it is. Yeah. But I think if we're really seeking to like, you know, I've talked about before, like seeing these stories as being our story and being invited into yeah. these moments and reading the scriptures in that sort of, story-like participatory way this process this encounter with god where it's sure it's epic on one hand but it's also difficult and back and forth on another Mm -hmm. often more often than not is a long process yeah well and i think maybe even just to speak into that like what we get in the scriptures is moses or god appearing in a burning bush yeah what we don't get in the scriptures is all the other times god maybe tried to reach out to moses over the 40 years leading up to it totally oh yeah like, we don't know what that narrative is. Exactly. Like, maybe it was the still, small voice, and Moses was like, you know. Forget it. Yeah, like, yeah, I, I, do my own I'm, thing. I'm watching these sheep. Yeah. Uh, or whatever. Totally. Um, anyway. No, yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, so what's next? Yeah, so as as the story continues, I think, you know, most of us in the, in the class kind of have, like, a basic idea of what happens. He's going to go. Moses will encounter Pharaoh. There's the back and forth. If we ever want to talk about a back and forth between Moses and Pharaoh. There it is right there. Yeah. Um, but ten different times, at least, God, God through Moses is going to say, let my people go. Pharaoh resists. And there's the sequence of ten plagues. Pharaoh's heart gets hardened. And there's a whole, you know, rabbit hole with how that all works. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pharaoh reluctantly, by the very end of the tenth plague, will let the people go. They're going to cross the Red Sea, and then they're on their journey into the Promised Land. Now, that's like really super big picture. But what I wanted to do is, especially this will be kind of helpful if someone is able to actually have the notes in front of them as they're listening to this, is I actually just want to show kind of big picture, the literary structure of the rest of the Torah. So when I say Torah, that's the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Because I think it works as... Not necessarily one book, but it's five separate books, but as a narrative unit. And mm-hmm. it's telling one story that's about the origins and the beginning of God working through the nation of Israel. Um, so kind of what we've touched on is the first three chapters of Exodus. And there's there's all a point to this. Hopefully there's you'll see the payoff at the end yeah. of it here. All right, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. So the first three... I'll wait for you to <laughs> land the plane. Land the plane. Um, so kind of if you have the... Um, if you're able to see this, I can try to explain it over the audio right here. 
But the basic idea is that the first three chapters of Exodus, that's, you know, we're being introduced to Moses as that story continues from about Exodus four, all the way through Exodus 15 is what we're, we more or less typically call like the Exodus story. Okay. Um, and that's kind of the, you know, if you've seen like the Prince of Egypt or any of the movies, it's like the plagues, the crossing of the Red Sea, that sort of stuff. That's the first time the word salvation and redemption occur in the scriptures, all within that little block, the Exodus one through Mm. 15 sort of block. After Exodus 15, the variant of Exodus 15 is the first worship song in the scripture. They've crossed the Red Sea and they praise God for delivering them. Miriam sings it. Yeah, Yeah. the horse and rider you've thrown into the sea, that whole thing. And it's actually significant because there's these blocks of poetry or song that Mm. happen throughout the Torah. And they all kind of point, they all are, yes, reflecting on something that just happened. But they all kind of have like this meta, big picture, pointing forward sort of language of, this is what God's going to also do one day in the future. Mm. And so you have the poetic song in Exodus 15. You have this kind of weird, obscure poetry in the middle of the book of Numbers, Numbers 20 through 22 through 24. It's with mm. the Balaam um, donkey sort of oh, narrative. Yeah. And there's like these messianic overtones throughout there that yeah. are like pointing forward a little bit. Yeah. And then at the very end of Deuteronomy. Just for those who are not like super into the Bible. It's a talking donkey. Talking donkey. So Shrek. you really should you really should read <laughs> yes. that that scene. Yes, yeah. it's Shrek. It's it in basically the Bible. is Eddie Murphy. Just yes. imagine Eddie Murphy's voice in voiceover. Those scenes, yes. There you go. Um, but I have like at the at the bottom of these squares in red where there's these narrative poetry um, blocks there, and they all have like this messianic rescuing type language. And it's okay. the, one of the ways that I think the Torah itself is actually wanting us to look forward hmm. to this coming Messiah that will come okay. one day. So that's kind of one layer right there. Then also Exodus 1 through 15. Exodus 16 through 18, just three chapters, is actually this transition point for hmm. Israel. Um, and we're going to get to this hopefully hopefully in this session, but for sure by the next session, where it God says through Moses and in the text that God intentionally did not take Israel the, the quick way, but took the long way. Hmm. Um, and it's this like weird kind of thing. Like, why didn't God just beeline it to the promised land right but there's i think this training this transition there's this learning period that has to happen in in the life of israel so they actually have a short wilderness experience in exodus 16 through 18 and what's interesting is that israel they just have seen god basically destroy the armies of egypt in the red sea and the 10 plague they've seen this massive awesome stuff and the narratives that follow after that song in exodus 15 are Israel narrative narratives of Israel complaining in the desert, yeah. complaining about bread, yeah. water, the provision. comforts of Egypt. Exactly, they yeah. could, they go like in Egypt we had we set like pots of we meat, yeah. we had all these different yeah. things, and like you don't you never read anything about Israel with yeah. meat and no, you hear about them groaning, the groaning, right? Yeah. Like, it's like they have this warped view of reality of what was in the past. I think in contemporary English parlance, is the grass is always greener. Totally. Oh yeah, yeah. exactly. And yeah. so they have because this, there's more manure on the other side. The other I think side. Is the... <laughs> That's how it works, right? Exactly. Oh man, but what's interesting is uh, if you see on the notes on the work on the handout here is that they complain specifically about bread and water yeah. are the two big things that they complain about in this kind of short narrative. Yeah. Then what happens is when uh, from the Exodus 19 all the way through the end of Numbers chapter 10. Okay. So you have basically the last half That's of the book lot. of Exodus, yeah. the whole book of Leviticus, and the first 10 chapters at least of the book of Numbers all take place geographically at the base of Mount Sinai. Yeah. And which we think is about a calendar year where Israel is at the 
the foot of Mount Sinai. Wow. That's a long time. It's a long, yeah, totally. So, I mean, talk about being in one place for a long time. Yeah. Like that was Israel's reality yeah. as they are on their way to the promised land. Now, there's a couple of semi-famous things that happen at the foot of Mount Sinai. The Ten Commandments yeah. are given in Exodus uh, chapter 20. You have the golden calf incident in Exodus yeah. 32, that whole debacle. Yeah. You know, the so Moses is up on the, mountain. on the mountain. They make a golden calf. They start worshiping it just as God has brought them out of Egypt. Exactly. Yeah. The whole thing. And then, you know, Moses gets ticked. God gets ticked. Yeah. There's this beautiful intercessory prayer moment with Moses yeah. and God. It's, where it's like, here's God working through his people again. Yeah. And that's Exodus 33 and 34. Yeah. The last part of the book of Exodus is like the, basically it's a, blueprints of the tabernacle yep. and so it's you know exciting exciting bedtime yeah. reading for us yeah. <laughs> and then you have the book of leviticus and which is actually interesting though it's because by the end of the book of exodus and as you get into the beginning of the book of leviticus the way the narrative works is that the tabernacle gets constructed by the end of the book of exodus but the the last line of the book of exodus into the first line of the book of leviticus is that it says moses could not enter yep. the tabernacle but then by the time you get to the beginning of the book of Numbers, so the whole book of Leviticus has passed, the be opening line of the book of Numbers is now Moses could enter hmm. the, the tabernacle. And what you have in the middle of Leviticus is essentially God's provision or God's way of making a way to be in relationship with his people in the midst of the tabernacle. Through the law. Through the law. Yeah. Okay. So you have the whole, this is where the whole concept of the law, all the sacrifices yeah. come into place, actually through the end of Exodus into Leviticus, yep. so on and so forth. Um, in the middle of the in the middle of Leviticus is I have a picture of a goat here. It's kind of like the high point, if you will, in okay. the book of Leviticus. That's the Day of Atonement. It's kind of yeah. this major sort of sacrifice that has later implications later on into uh, the New Testament. But regardless, everything, all of this, there's again so much more we could say. Um, and if you're interested in something, I do have more detailed notes on a few pages down okay. on some. But what of this about stuff. for the person who's less interested? Less interested, exactly. <laughs> what about the They're person like, who's sitting at home like? Land the plane. What is supposed Land to be happening? Plane. What is yeah. supposed to be happening? So kind of big picture. What I want really want to highlight here, a couple things. Yeah. You have the wilderness before Mount Sinai. Okay. And they're complaining about bread and water. Sure. Okay. You have a whole year at the foot of Mount Sinai. One of the big things that happens is that they're given the law. Yeah. This is they're given the sure. 613 commandments, that whole big shebang deal. right yeah. there. Now, as they transition from numbers 11 on, okay. they are going to go continue on in the wilderness they will have a moment where they are invited to go into the promised land. And it's this whole narrative where they send 12 spies into yeah. the land to come back with favorable reports. The other 10 don't. And essentially because their lack of trust, mm -hmm. God says for 40 more years, you're going to be stuck in the wilderness. A mm -hmm. journey that should have taken just a few days ends up taking 40 years. Now on either side of the Mount Sinai narrative, you have complaining about bread and water and you have complaining about bread and water on from numbers 11 through the, the end of the book. And you have a, a whole host of even more complaining that happens mm -hmm. and grumbling in the end of the book yeah. of Numbers. We want quail. We want quail. It's all these yeah. different yeah. things. <laughs> all these different moments where Israel has failed to trust. Sure. And they've just spent a whole year in the presence of God at the base of Mount Sinai. So what are we supposed to do with that? It, this, is, this is the thing. This is really important. Because what I think on a couple letter, levels, one thing that I think the, the Torah itself is talking, telling us is that what is going to kind of get Israel and God's people out of this mess is not necessarily more and more and more loss. Because what you haven't, like, they've just spent yeah. a whole year receiving these laws, and yet they're doing the exact same things and even more yeah. that's not in line with what God sure. is calling them to. So you have that whole uh, section there. 
But then you also have this whole thing of like, they've been rescued out of Egypt. They've been rescued out of slavery, but there's still this huge sort of reorientation and the shift that I think has to take place in the people of Israel. So on one hand, yes, the wilderness is in a sense, like there's like a discipline that's happening, Mm -hmm. but there's also this, even with the word, there's this training, there's this growth that has to take place with the people of Israel. And I think that's one of these things, if we can enter into this, this framework with this wilderness space is to see that this is, you know, God's way of wanting to work in and through Israel is in the wilderness. He's mm-hmm. going to meet with his people. He's going to work yeah. with his people in the wilderness. Yeah. And it wasn't necessarily on that mountaintop experience that all the transformation yeah. happened yeah. because what the, the, just the literary structure of how the Torah is working, the Torah is telling us what happened at Mount Sinai was great. It was yeah. you know awesome. It was important, it didn't change the but people. it didn't change the people. Exactly. Yeah. And so what's going to happen is the narrative is going to keep going and saying, there's actually still a bigger problem here. Mm-hmm. And it's the law isn't going to fix it. There's more that needs to take place. And that's why by the time you get to Deuteronomy, Moses is going to talk about what we need around here is your heart to be circumcised for you to have a soft heart is what, what that language is talking about. And then by the very end of Deuteronomy, the, the last few lines, it says, you know what we, the Deuteronomy, the writer of Deuteronomy at this point is saying, you know what? There hasn't been a prophet like Moses to come in all these years. Yeah. And so what it's pointing us to is there's this prophet like figure to yeah. come. that's going to be greater than Moses. And that's what we're to be looking to. Yeah. So on a couple levels, and we'll kind of narrow down on a couple narratives here. The first big picture thing is there's profound transformation that still needs to take place in the wilderness. Mm. And it's also getting our eyes to look for the greater than Moses figure that is to come. Yeah. And as followers of Jesus, we know that uh, to be Jesus. So there's just kind of a big picture yeah. layout of some of that stuff okay. there. Yeah. So there's a rescue out of Egypt. There's an initial wandering. There's a giving of the law. Mm-hmm. There's another wandering. And there's some sense in which the law wasn't enough. Yeah. So the rules that we create and that were given yeah. weren't enough. Yeah. There's a looking forward to who we know as Jesus to come. To come, yeah. Um, right. And there's an internal work of circumcision of the heart, yeah. which Jeremiah will talk about, like he will give us new hearts, new hearts. Exactly. Um, from which we'll be like, he'll put the law in our, in hearts. our hearts. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so, so just sort of like totally yeah. ish in the world. of what Yeah, totally. To That's like the big kind of big picture. So then bring it down to the ground. Totally. Yeah. So what, what I want to do for that is let's zoom in on a couple of these specific okay. wilderness narratives. All right. And kind of show this is the work that God is wanting to do in these seasons of transition, in these seasons mm. of wilderness. That's good. Um, so what I wanted to start is actually in that, this is kind of zooming in on that first wilderness section, okay. the Exodus 16 through 18 section. But there's a little kind of preamble to some of that where bef- as they're being led out of Egypt, it says this in Exodus chapter 13. I think I mentioned this a little bit ago too. Exodus 13 verse 17 says this. When Pharaoh let the people go, Israel, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that way was shorter, is what the yeah. text says. And I, it's a line that we, we often, I think, skip over, but it's interesting to think that God did not intentionally take the short way. Yeah, There's like this sense where God is taking the long way. Mm-hmm. And you got to pause and answer or ask yourself the question, like, why? Yeah. Like, what is God's purpose in some of that? And I think about, just even in this own moment that we're in, the more mm. that I kind of sit with this, the more I'm coming to realize that this is not going to be a short thing. I hope I'm wrong, but it doesn't seem like it's going to be a short thing. And there's this moment where it's like, well, 
not I'm not saying that God is necessarily, you know, whatever with some of that stuff, but there is, I think this moment of saying, well, this might be a long season and what is God's invitation to us and to me mm-hmm. in that sort of long season, yeah. as much as I want to take a shortcut and just like fast forward six months from now and yeah. hopefully, you know, some semblance of normalcy comes back. Yeah. I think there's a profound invitation to say, even though that this isn't the short way, this might be the long way. Yeah. What's God, what work do you do in these wilderness yeah. long routes? And I so, might even push in there and just say like, I've actually never seen a short way when it comes to personal transformation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I think when I was in my early twenties, I sort of presumed on some level that like change was quick. Yeah. Um, I think being in pastoral ministry for the last, let's say, call it 20 years. Like I just, I don't see it. Yeah. Like there's instantaneous change and it happens every so often. Yeah. Most deep work that God does in us to change our character, to change our assumptions, to give us new hearts, new Mm -hmm. hope takes a long time. Long time. Yeah. Um, and that too, I, and I think this is really important. When we actually think we can do it quick, we actually end up lear- not learning the lesson we needed to learn. Yeah. Right. And you see this played out in the text. Totally. Right. They're grumbling. They're not getting the lesson of the desert. Yeah. God, you know, God meets Moses on Sinai. They come back. What do they do? They have to repeat all those lessons again, and it's even longer. And it's the even second, longer, right? And, and yeah. we do this in life. So God gives us things, seasons to learn, and most of us, the first time around, are like. I'm going to find an easier Four, way. Yeah. And now we're in the second time. We're in it the third time. Third we time. look at our life and we think, I just keep doing the same thing. Exactly. Exactly. Totally. Because there were lessons you needed to learn before. Before. And yeah. you have had a hard time internalizing. Totally. Them. I mean, I know that's true in my life. Totally. And you, I mean, just even that's kind of goes back to that big picture thing. I won't go there too long, but seeing the repeated complaints of bread, water, quail on yeah. the first yeah. level. And then the second yeah. wilderness wandering it's the exact same thing it's almost yeah. even when you narrow it down it's like copy and paste of like yeah. did the author just like copy the same no they're having to relearn the same lessons yeah. over and over totally. again um but in and when you kind of look at some of these things i think you're totally right there is this sense where the deep work that god wants to do takes a long time yeah not because god's incapable of like god can do whatever he wants but i think oftentimes it's like our own hearts our stubbornness yeah. whatever litany of reasons but anyway um, on some of these things, though, there's just a few kind of kind of big points that I wanted to highlight with some of these things. I think in transitions, in these seasons of that often take longer than we might want, I think there's a few things I think God is teaching Israel mm. and that God, I think, would want to, to teach us. And I think kind of the first thing is that for Israel in particular, God is teaching them what, it, what freedom truly is mm. and what it truly means to be free. Um, you have this sense as you read these narratives where they're constantly looking back at Egypt yeah. and they're looking back at that was my life back then. That mm-hmm. was what, you know, all the good things we had mm-hmm. back in Egypt. And you're like, you're kind of delusional because what, at least how Exodus presents itself, the book is like, this was not a good life that no. they had in Egypt at all. Yeah. Um, and so there's often this time, there's this thing that we have to kind of work through of always looking back at what was, there's a place for that but I also can think that can be a little bit paralyzing too, Mm -hmm. where it's not stepping into that work that God wants to do, not only in the present, but going on into the future. Mm -hmm. And and specifically with this issue of freedom, where Israel's not, I think we talked about this last week a little bit too, Israel's not just set free to now go ahead and do just whatever they want, right? There's this freedom to not just do whatever they want, but a freedom to serve and to worship and to become the kinds of people that God wants to see them become. Yeah. So it's the difference of like freedom from 
having to do anything anyone tells me yeah. versus the freedom to worship Jesus. To worship Jesus, exactly. Yeah. And I think, especially in moments that are difficult and hard, like I think what a lot of us are facing, is like we are, I am learning, like what does it look like to worship Jesus in this season yeah. and having to learn that. Yeah. You know, I grew up in the church. I, I know the Bible. I, you know, yeah. I love this stuff, but like having to literally learn what does it look like to worship and to pray yeah, that's good. in these moments, it's hard. Yeah. Um, and there's this sense where, you know, like we watch Frozen all the time, you know, in our house. Elsa's yeah. Frozen, Shrek. Shrek. Yeah, yeah, it's the, like the, the references are dating <laughs> us and like our bit. stage of life. A exactly. Lot. But yeah. Elsa has that song, you know, like, you know, I did write. watch Parasite. Okay. I watched the best picture. Parasite. This, Oh my gosh. Best picture. One best picture. Best foreign film. Is it like a disease? No, dude. It's <laughs> it won best it won best picture this year at the Oscars. I've never heard of it. Really? <laughs> no. I, I could sorry. be saying it wrong, I but know. I think that's right. Anyway, anyway, back to Elsa. Okay. Elsa has sorry, this line. My movies are I'm always like two years behind on my movie references. All right, I'll quote but next anyway. time, like 2000, <laughs> 2017 best picture. Yeah. But Elsa has this whole thing of like, you know, no right, no wrong, no rules for me, I'm free. It's one of the songs that she yeah. sings. It's like this, it's just really the spirit of like, you yeah. know, American living, right? Just doing whatever we want. Um, but I do think that there's this invitation where, and we've experienced it, I think, and you've, you talked about this, I think last week a little bit on Sunday of how we've, we don't just have all the freedom that we used to Yeah. like by, I don't know what the right word yeah. is by necessity, yeah. by just circumstances, by, outside, mandate. by mandate, really. Yeah. We've moved from, and you, you, I think you use the language of like a bunch of choices to just now, this is what we have to, and this is what yeah. we're stuck with the needs that we yeah. have. Um, and just learning to operate in this framework of this is, you know, how do we live as free people yeah. in this sort of, in this world? Yeah. How do you live as free people in a, in a culture of restriction. Yeah, at totally. The at the moment, where a lot of it's forced yeah. too. Um, and I think there's a, there's a lot to explore hmm. with some of that. And That's I think good. it takes a lot of a lot of time. Yeah. Um, and then kind of the the second thing I want to touch on real briefly here. I think God is teaching Israel to look to Him. This goes back a little bit to them looking back to Egypt all the yeah. time. But especially as even as they're crossing the Red Sea, it's super interesting the language that's used. And I would encourage you to read Exodus 14. The, the it's a powerful narrative of Israel crossing the Red Sea. It's interesting as Pharaoh approaches Exodus 14 verse 10, Israel looks all the times that Israel in the verbs for look and to see are used in Exodus 14. They're all pointing back to Israel looking back at Egypt. Hmm. It's interesting. Israel hasn't figured out how to look at Yahweh or to look even at Moses. They're still looking back at, at Egypt. So Israel looks up Exodus 14 verse 10 and sees the Egyptians. And the text says they were terrified and cried out to the Lord. But what's interesting in the text, Israel, as the people, they don't actually say the name of the Lord once in the mm. next kind of paragraph there. They say Egypt five different times. Were, was it not wow. because there were no graves in Egypt? What, why are you bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you, leave us alone in Egypt? We want to serve the Egyptians. Is it not better for us to serve the Egyptians? And So what's on their mouth is what's in their minds is seeing Egypt and talking about Egypt. It's, it's again, mm. this thing of the past, so to speak. And they don't actually, I think, know how to look to God yet. They don't actually know how to encounter God and to hear God's voice in this kind of transition period. They're, they're not used to it yet. They've yeah. been in slavery for all these years. And I think part of it's this idea of as you are becoming free in Christ or learning what it means to follow Jesus yeah. in these moments, in these transition periods, 
we, we, I think I'm per, really resonate with this. We lose the benefits of what was old before we gain any of like the good of totally. what's going to come. Yeah. And so you're stuck in this, you're in a no man's in land. no man's sort of land. the nature of transition exactly. you have an ending. And then you have a sort of a floating, floating, neutral, neutral yeah. space before you have a new beginning. Exactly. And that, that can extend if for a long time. And oftentimes yeah. in those moments, you lose what you thought was good. Yep. Of but the you old. haven't gained the new, you haven't gained the new yet. And yeah. so there's this temptation again to you. It's hard to really, we talk about this language. It's kind of churchy language of look to Jesus, look yeah. to God, that sort of stuff. Yeah. But I think really when you drill down on that, and like practically like yeah. trying to live into that, that becomes very hard in these moments. Cause yeah. you, you ask the question, I mean, it's the question of what we're titling this thing, where Jesus, where Jesus, where are you in this? Um, and I think there's this invitation where one writer talks about in these moments for Israel, where God is saying to Israel, don't die in the middle in this kind of middle space. Yeah. Don't get stuck in the middle, but to press forward yeah. and to see Moses says to and to Israel, stand firm, Exodus 14, 13, you will see the deliverance yeah. of, of Yahweh, the Lord. It's the same word for Yeshua, salvation. It's actually mm-hmm. the Hebrew for Jesus in a lot of ways. Um, and what God says to through Moses at Exodus 14, 14, the Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. Mm-hmm. And I think there's this, this invitation there where, you know what, on, on some levels, Yes, there is this invitation to press forward, to move into what God's doing. But oftentimes what that looks like is, again, we talked about at the beginning, being still, yeah. being present with God and hearing God speak to us yeah. in our everyday moments yeah. to see God work through yeah. a lot of those a lot of those things. Yeah, the poet Mary Oliver, right? Attention is the beginning mm-hmm. of devotion. Devotion, totally. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's super it's powerful. powerful. Yeah. One last um, sort of quick thing here. I have a couple things, I, again, I mentioned before on Moses' hand. You know, God working through Moses's hand, that sort of way. I think there's a, there's cool parallels with yeah. God working through his people with that. Feel free to check, you know, some of that out. Um, but then the last sort of thing here, we talked about the song of the sea is how it's often called Exodus 15. Mm. Um, but it's the first sort of true worship song that, that happens at the beginning of this sort of transition stage. And again, I think it's this invitation for Israel and for us, again, like being taught and taught all over again, what it looks like to worship God. Yeah. I think for Israel, this is like an initial thing, right? They've been in slavery all these years. And so they need to be taught what that looks like. Over the course of these next few decades for Israel in the wilderness, they're going to have to learn what does it look like to trust and to worship God in the wilderness. Not just after the the massive victory of crossing the Red Sea. Or getting the Ten Commandments. Or getting the Ten Commandments, exactly. What does it look like to trust and worship God on a daily basis in the everyday life? Their everyday life being the wilderness. Yeah. And I think as you go through, especially with, and I'll kind of end with this, the bread and the water, those kind of the two main complaints that I keep coming back to. Um, With both of those, it's so cool to see how God meets Israel in those spaces and provides for them. Exactly. He provides the bread. He provides the water from the rock in both those instances. And how it's Israel is having to see a new way of living Mm -hmm. in the wilderness where it's interesting. The b- very beginning of the book of Exodus, it tells us that what Israel was doing, uh, much of their slave work, was building these massive storehouses to store basically Pharaoh's crops, yeah. his food, the economy, all of that. But what God, it, the way under God's way is completely different. It's not yeah. this hoarding. It's not this, yeah. you know, more and more and more and expansion type stuff. It's the daily provision yeah. of each day they had to go get their daily bread. Yeah. 
each day they had to go get that that little yeah. bit of food for that day. That and if they did hoard, if they did try rot. to get more, yeah. it would rot exactly. So it's a completely different set of values, a completely different way of living than compared to Egypt. Yeah, and I think that learning thing for Israel mm-hmm. in the wilderness took time, and that whatever that looks like for us, the relearning of old habits and the yeah. imitation of the new habits that God wants to form in our lives takes time, yeah. and it takes trust. Time and trust, I think both often go together and just asking ourselves that question in the midst of our current moment, what are those new sort of habits, those new ways of being that God is inviting us to say, you know, on a daily basis, here's what I'm calling you to. And here's where I want to meet you in those moments. Cause it's not just, Hey, God saying here, go do this. Yeah. You know, every day, good luck. No, God wants to meet us yeah. each day as we trust him. You know, the language, it's kind of churchy language, but our daily bread, yeah. you know, like God wants to meet us in those daily moments of yeah. seeing provision. Our provision and sustenance yeah. independence for sure being found in him. I think that's yeah. one of the key things. If I had to sum it up in one word, God is teaching Israel dependence yeah. in the wilderness yeah. and in transitions and wilderness seasons. I think for at least personally, it's like this deeper dependence Totally. becomes this invitation that God is trying to show me and to work in and through yeah. me. And I think for me, these narratives have really, they've come alive in a different way for me. That's cool. And I've read them, you know, dozens of times. Yeah. Um, but to see, trying to see myself in these stories, obviously there's differences. We've talked about that. Um, but just saying, you know, God, you are going to provide, you are trustworthy, mm-hmm. but help me to, you know, acknowledge that yeah. and to be dependent on you. Yeah. I'm going to internalize it. Yeah, for it's sure. Good. Yeah. So, that's kind yeah. of the, the main things I wanted to share with some of that. But there's obviously more we could say with a lot of that. But I think yeah. that's a maybe a good it's place great. to stop. It's a lot so, to chew on. Yeah. Yeah, bring so. your questions. Look forward to chatting. And yeah. yeah, I just think there's a lot of rich stuff there about the patterns we get into, learning to depend on God, mm-hmm. paying attention to God, yeah, His presence, right? The burning bush. Totally. So a lot to chew on. Yeah, for Look sure. Look forward to it. Cool. Awesome. Thanks, man. Yep.